Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Who thinks uh, Pastor Mark's haircut looks spunky? I turned to Pastor Michelle, I said, he looks spunky with that haircut. He looks like a man ready to go on holidays, so that's good. I might, I might get your cut before the turn of the year. We'll, we'll see how we go. Hey, who's ready for the last Sunday of the year? Can you believe it? Is it crazy? So it's great to be here. I want to read to you, uh, start off this morning before I jump into my message title, I want to read to you from John chapter 21, verses 3 to 12. John 21, verses 3 to 12. Let's read this together. It says, Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. Who's planning on doing some fishing over the Christmas holidays? Anybody? Yeah, you people need prayer. Fishing is the worst. Um, The rest of them replied, we're going with you. They went out and got in the boat. And they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to them, good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? And they answered, no. He said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said. And all of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, but they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. When Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw on some clothes, for he was stripped for work and dove into the sea. The other disciples came in by boat, and they weren't far from land, a few hundred yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it, and Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore, 153 big fish. And even with all of those fish, the net didn't rip. And Jesus said, breakfast is ready. And not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? For they knew it was the master. What a great story. I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the word today. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that your word, it carries power. Your word, it carries authority, it changes us, it shapes us, it molds us. So today, as the people of God, we come together under your word and we say, Lord, would you speak to us today? Would you speak to us in such a way that we're transformed from the inside out? We're hungry for your word, we're ready for your word. Come on, in a faith-filled people said, Amen. Amen. So the boys are going out on a fishing trip. They decided to go out fishing and they're working hard all night to catch nothing. John 21 says they caught nothing that night. And then suddenly they experience this miraculous turnaround, right? This incredible situation where they go from catching nothing to 153 big fish. This miracle provision that Jesus lays out for them. Now, this is what I think is so amazing, okay? If you didn't know that Jesus had told them where to fish, and you didn't know that Jesus had given them these instructions on this miraculous catch and how to catch it, and all you saw, right, was the disciples hauling in this catch, you would think these were the best fishermen ever known to man. If you had no context for that conversation, all you saw was the result of their labor, you would have thought, man, Peter is the best fisherman. He knows when to fish, where to fish, how to fish. This guy is the goat. Now, if you don't know what goat means, it means the greatest of all time, okay? Just turn to someone and tell them you're a goat, okay? Not the sheep and the goat, you're, you're a goat, right? If they didn't know, they would have thought that, that, that they were amazing. The truth is, Peter obeyed Jesus' instruction on where to fish and 
how to fish. And the truth is, the results of Peter's obedience made him look better than he really was. <laughs> because the truth is, the outcomes of obedience will actually make you look better than you really are. They'll make you look smarter than you are, more strategic than you really are, more talented than you really are. See, we can make the mistake sometimes of thinking that when people are used by God in a great way, it's because they're talented, they're smart, they're strategic, or they're successful. But this is what I've found to be true in my life and eaten of in my own world, right? Obedience makes you look better than you really are. Obedience makes you look smarter than you really are. Now, Peter didn't know where to fish. He wasn't smart, but obedience made him look smart. Peter wasn't all that talented when it came to fishing, but obedience to the word of the Lord made him look talented. See, the fruit of obedience in your life will actually make you look far better than you actually are. I've found this to be true in our journey as pastors over the last few years planting Nova Church. By God's grace, we've gone from a handful of little people meeting in our living room to hundreds of people now. And this is the thing. If you looked at it externally, you might think, well, they're, they're smart people. They must be doing a good job. Now, don't get me wrong. We work hard. We pray hard. We try and do all the things God's called us to do. But this is what I would testify. I don't want anyone looking at our lives or our, our journey and thinking they're smart. They're strategic. They must know what they're doing. This is what's been true of my life and the fruit I've eaten on in my world, in Hannah's world, in our church's world, and I know in this world as well, that obedience has made us look better than we really are. When you get the word from the Lord and you obey that which He is calling you to do, the outcomes will be far beyond, come on, your ability to achieve. This is why it doesn't matter what family you come from. This is why it doesn't matter what education you have or do not have. This is why it doesn't matter how obviously talented or untalented you may be. When I survey scripture, I do not see one common amount of education, one common race, one common family, one common background. There is one commonality that I see all through scripture in those who were used by the Lord. Obedience to God. Obedience to God. So my heart and my life, and I pray your heart and your life would be this. We don't need to be the best. We don't need to know it all. We don't need to be the most strategic. We just need to be obedient. Some of you are asking this question heading into next year, the turn of the year. You know, what's going to happen uh, come March and the transition and everything that's going to happen? This is what I can promise you is going to happen. We will be obedient to the Lord. And as we follow, come on, His leading and His calling, we're going to see fruit far beyond we could ever achieve on our own. Because we're called to live with obedience. The title of my message this morning is simply this, Obedience or Bust. Obedience or Bust. Obedience or Bust. That's for us, that's what we know. The one thing that everyone used by God holds in common is a faithful and a simple obedience to Him. So this morning, I want to give you three P's of obedience. 
that I think are going to carry you into next year. Now, so why, you, why would you preach this on the 18th? Well, we're going to do the Christmas thing on Christmas, on the Christmas Eve. But tonight, uh, today I want you leaving with this mindset heading into 2023. God, what is it that you are calling me to do? And next year will be successful if I align my plans with your voice. I want to be obedient to God. Three P's of obedience. The first one I want to give you today is paradigm, because obedience is a paradigm. Let's read this from John 21, 6 to 9. I want to point something out to you. He said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, and all of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. Listen, when Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he put on some clothes. This is what's so amazing to me, is that Peter obeyed Jesus' request before he was even sure that it was Jesus. Who does that? That's a crazy thing to do. So we're telling me he's not even sure that it's Jesus on the beach yet. But this is what he's sure of, that even if there's a chance that it's him, even if I'm 50% sure, I would rather look like a fool for obeying than be found in the boat left alone. See, see sometimes you're not always going to know 100% it's God. Can any real Christians testify to me today? Like, Sometimes you're pretty short. Sometimes it's a soul of 50%. Sometimes you tip over and it's about 51%. Sometimes you get about 80. But who knows that the Christian life and the journey of faith so often is obeying God without being 100% sure. I love that Peter listened to who he thought was Jesus in the boat before he knew it was true. What kind of person does that? Oh, well, you might say a crazy person. Peter was a bit crazy, but, but I, I would say someone who has a paradigm of obedience. In other words, he'd done this before and seen the fruit, and it had changed his mindset. Where did Peter get this paradigm of obedience, right? Let, let's read this in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 7. This is another story. It says, when he finished teaching, he said to Simon, this is Peter, he's had a name change, remember, push out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't even caught a minnow, which is basically a sardine, the worst. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner than done, a huge haul of fish, straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both the boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. I want you to notice something. This was the first time that Jesus had given Peter fishing instructions. And I want you to notice how much harder it was for Peter to obey the first time. The first time Jesus asks him to change what he's doing, what does he do? He comes up with all of these reasons why he shouldn't. We've been fishing all night. It's so hard. This is so difficult. We're not even going to, we only haven't even caught a minnow, Lord. We see the, the tension in him the first time, right? In, in Luke chapter 5. But in John 21, his response is so different. 
they did what he said. This is why. The hardest act of obedience will always be your first. Your first act of obedience will always be your hardest. Why? Because you don't have a history with God yet. Those who don't have a paradigm of obedience haven't yet developed their history with God. Can I tell you, you can know the history of God without having history with God. See, you can know the history of God, what he has done in scripture, what he has done for others, without having a history with God, knowing what he has done for you. History with God is where you've obeyed him in the past and you've seen him come through. And it gives you the capacity to obey him in the future. Come on, is there anyone who's done a few years with the Lord who has testified that it's gotten a little bit easier to obey because you've seen him come through again and again and again? Why? Because you're developing a history with God. If you want a paradigm of obedience, you've got to develop your own history with God. You know, I remember we were just coming out of the pandemic and it was at the start of the year last year. I was praying about the years to come and some things that God was asking us to do. And there was a, there was a few things that I felt. One of them was uh, in our Youth Alive role is that we needed to do a large-scale youth outreach again and to really go and tour the schools in, in South Australia to go and reach thousands of young people because there's a huge generational disconnect happening and if we've got the power to do something about it, we gotta do it. And, and, and that sounds well and good, but I felt the Lord say something to me that made me very uncomfortable. And the thing he said to me is, I want you to do it for free. And I looked up how much it was gonna cost to hire the building that we needed to hire for you for live and to be able to do this event. And it was $100,000 for one night coming out of COVID, where you're not meant to be filling big buildings yet. And I remember in the prayer time just going to the Lord, I, wow, nope, don't know if I can do that. But as I'm praying and seeking the Lord, I just remember the faith just clicked in. I said, you know what, God, if you're asking us to do it, then we can do it. And so we just started to declare this and pray this and speak this around the city and, and we raised $100,000 and we put that night on for free for 2,500 young people, 500 decisions for Christ in one night with no barrier, right? Now, here's the reason I tell that story. And, and I could tell the story of our miracle building in the city that we can't afford, but God came through and has supernaturally provided the provision and the finance, come on, for a four-year-old church to move into its own building. And I've had people ask me, how do, how do you get faith for that? I'll tell you something. I have a history with God in this area. That's how. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Murray Bridge, coming off of this youth camp, and it was our best youth camp ever. We'd had all these kids filled with the Holy Spirit, baptised in the Holy Spirit, getting saved on fire for God. And, uh, and there's this, this momentum that comes after an event like that. And I remember uh, often after a youth camp, we'd, we'd go and we'd do a big outreach. You know, we'd go and reach some schools or we'd go and do a big outreach event. We'd take that fire and, and spread it around. And I remember praying and asking God, what do you want us to do after this event, like after the camp? And I, I felt the Lord say to me, 
I want you to raise $30,000 in 30 days and buy the church a new PA system. And I was like, hmm. Like, in case you don't know, Murray Bridge is not like... You know, like the kids coming to our youth weren't balling. Like, mum and dad weren't sending them with a couple of hundred bucks to youth. You know what I mean? 10 cents tops. And so I'm like, I don't know if we can do this. But I felt the Lord say to me, do it, and, and sow it as a seed for future revival in the church in Murray Bridge. And I remember we gathered there before the last session of camp, and I got all the youth leaders together, and I said, guys, you're ready to hear what we're going to do. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're getting pumped. They're getting ready for this big outreach. And now, yeah, 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 we're so excited. Come on, come on, come on. And I go, we're going to raise $30,000 in 30 days, and we're going to give it to the church. And you know that look that everyone gives you when they're trying to be nice, but they think you're a total idiot? That was, that was the look. It was. I'll tell you something. In those 30 days, we, we mowed just about every lawn in Murray Bridge. We washed every Holden Commodore. Come on. And we raised $30,000 and we handed that check to our church on a Sunday morning. And you know, I think back all those years ago, and this is what I realized. Without knowing it, I was developing a history with God that would enable me to be able to obey Him for the miraculous in the future. See, we've got to develop a paradigm of obedience by saying yes to the Lord step by step, and it will increase our capacity to be obedient in the future. Come on, for us, it's obedience or bust. It's obedience or it's nothing. But the second P I want to give you today is this, is position, because obedience positions you. It positions you. I love this in the story. It goes on in John 21, verse 6. He said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. The first thing that Jesus said to Peter is, I want you to change your position. I want you to change your position from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat. Now, I was thinking to myself, this must have been a big fishing boat. And so I was going and studying the size of this boat, and I found out it was about two meters wide. So you just think about how stupid this looks. So, so, so Peter, he's got his net over here, and Jesus says, hey, if you want to catch a huge hole, just put it over here. So Peter's like, let me, let me get this straight. You're saying, if I move it from here to here, there's going to be a miraculous catch. Yes. Now, sometimes we over-spiritualize the Bible. Can I tell you, it would have looked as silly to Peter and the disciples as it did to you watching me do that. Because obedience will rarely look like it makes sense to you or to the people watching you. So, so, so Peter... <laughs> He moves this net to the other side of the boat. He changes his position. Where Jesus tells you to position yourself will very rarely make sense to those who are watching from a distance. It doesn't make sense to position yourself in singleness when you could be in a relationship, but God asks you to, so you do. It doesn't make sense to position yourself in the house of God when you could be earning double time by working on a Sunday. 
It doesn't make sense, come on, to, to get your kids up early and bring them to the house of the Lord, even though it's such a pain and you'd rather sleep in, but you do it because you're gonna raise a godly family. It doesn't make sense, but when you've got obedience on the inside of you, it doesn't matter how it looks. I remember when people heard that our churches were coming together, it was like, what? Wow, really? And I love that reaction, do you know why? Because obedience never looks, makes it look sense from a distance. But when God is in the middle of it, come on, you have such a confidence and a joy and an energy and a faith because you go, yeah, 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 I know, come on, that God's in this. Let me, let me tell you something. If you obey God based on how much sense it makes to you or how much sense it makes to others, you will never obey God. It looked like Jesus was positioning Peter at the wrong place at the wrong time. But I love how when Peter obeyed God, the wrong place became the right place and the wrong time became the right time. It shouldn't have worked, but obedience positioned Peter to be at the right place at the right time. Obedience will position you to be at the right place at the right time. And you know what? People will say things to you like this, oh, you're just really lucky. All that stuff just, just happens to you. People who didn't know any better would have thought, oh, Peter's just so lucky, you know. That stuff just happens to Peter. Peter's Mr. Fluke, you know. Peter was just at the right place at the right time, and that's why he caught that many fish. But can I tell you, when you start obeying God, people who don't know any better will start saying things like, oh, you're just lucky. That stuff just happens to you. You know what, it was a fluke. You were just at the right place at the right time, and you'll say, no, 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 you don't understand. You nearly got it. It's just obedience to God made it the right place and the right time. I'm not smart enough to be at the right place at the right time, but I'm smart enough, come on, to hear the voice of God, and He will position me to be at the right place at the right time. You know, really early on, um, when, when our youth ministry started growing in Murray Bridge and, and we started getting speaking invitations around the country, there was a few things that Hannah and I decided. The first one was this, is that we would never cancel a speaking invitation to a smaller church because a bigger, more influential church asked us to come on the same day. Because that's something called integrity. And so we made this decision, and I remember um, there was, a, there was a, a youth camp that had asked me to come and speak, and it was maybe a year ahead of time. What's really funny is the country churches are far more organized than the city churches. They always book you real far ahead. And, um, and I remember saying yes, and, and uh, it was just a little camp in Bendigo. And, you know, it was, it was nothing fancy, but, but we knew we were, we were called to be there. God asked us to minister to these young people, and, and we love the next generation. And I, I don't care if there's 10 kids in that room, 20 kids, 30 kids in that room, those kids are worth investing in because we know who they're going to grow to be. I love how the wise man, if you want a little Christmas spin here, gave these extravagantly expensive gifts to a kid because they saw the value of investing in the next generation of leadership. Anyway, so, so we went to, we were on our way to do this camp and it was about a, maybe five or six weeks out and I got a phone call uh, from a, a church, a really significant church in our nation who asked me to speak at their youth camp. And on the phone, they asked me to speak, and I was like, wow, this is a really big opportunity. 
I feel really honoured to, to get to do this. And I looked at the date and I saw youth camp in Bendigo. And I was like, I'll get back to you. And I, I put my phone down. I said to Hannah, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can say no. And she's like, what did God say? I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so I, I, called, I called Pastor Cameron Bennett. He's going to be here uh, in, in January. And I said, you know, I'm just double checking. This is the right thing, right? And, uh, yeah, 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 you know what God said. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. It's true. So I called him up. I said, hey, just, just so, I didn't say obedience is always easy, right? And so I called him up. I said, hey, really sorry. Um, can't do it. I'm speaking in Bendigo. And they were like, Really? No one ever says no to us. And I was like, oh, sorry. Oh, bye. And um, so then we go to this camp. And, uh, and I'm ministering at the camp, and it was a great time. And then halfway through the camp, something unexpected happened. That was that the senior pastor passed away. Halfway through the camp. And so I was there, and I said to the eldership, I said to the team, I said, um, I, you know, I'm meant to be speaking Sunday morning. It's totally fine. If you, I'm just happy to come and sit and support if you want your team to take care of it. Please don't feel obliged to have me do whatever. This is such a sensitive time and I understand just here to support. And they said, no, 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 we want you to speak. And so I had this message prepared and I was like, well, I can't preach that. So I was up all night uh, <laughs> trying to write a message. And so the Sunday morning comes and the whole church is there and everyone's just looking at me like, what are you going to say? And I, I preached this message called, uh, no matter what happens, we win. And I was talking about how their senior pastor won the race. So this wasn't a loss, it was a victory. And, uh, and it was such an encouraging time, you know, all these different emotions going on, but I remember the elders came up to me afterwards and they said, we don't know what we would have done if you hadn't been here. And that was another time of building my history with God that says, God, I will obey you even when it doesn't make sense because God, that obedience put me in the right place at the right time with the right people who needed it the most. Come on, for us, it's got to be this. God, obedience or bust. It will position you to be exactly where you need to be. The third P I want to give you today is this, is provision. Because obedience releases provision. I love this story, John 21, verse 5. Jesus spoke to them, good morning. <laughs> Did you catch anything for breakfast? He knew the answer. By the way, when Jesus asks you a question, it's never because he doesn't know the answer. Now, now this is, there's a few really tricky things about this. First one is that Peter went fishing for breakfast. I mean, eating fish is bad enough at any time of the day, but breakfast is, <laughs> that's terrible. Come on, bacon and eggs over fish any day of the week. Come on, who's with me, right? So it's already tough. Um, and I think about this, they've been fishing all night just for breakfast. Like I struggle, you know, if that toast takes more than two minutes, I'm in struggle town. These boys were up all night fishing for breakfast. I love that his own efforts couldn't even get him enough for breakfast. But obedience brought in so many fish that the whole town could have had breakfast if they wanted to. He'd been working all night in his own effort to catch fish and it had been unsuccessful. Why? Because there was no provision for his own efforts. But the moment Peter obeyed Jesus, 
He encountered the supernatural provision of God and his nets were filled with more than what he needed. I want you to catch this today. There was more provision in one act of obedience than an entire night of his own efforts. And someone needs to hear this today. You're trying to figure out, join the dots for how you're going to get the income coming in next year. You're trying to join the dots of how you're going to make it work and how everything's going to work out. Can you feed the kids? Will you have enough to pay the rent? Can I tell you, be obedient to God because there is more provision in one act of obedience than a lifetime of your own efforts. Stay connected to the will of God. By the way, that, this isn't a tithing message, but that's why I tithe, because I can't afford not to. Because I want to be in the will of God and putting Him first. But this is where some people make the mistake of thinking that if they obey God, well, they're going to have to do nothing. We've got a lot of young adults in our church, and, 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 and we have so many funny conversations. So many. Um, but, but so many funny things happen. Like people get this, this paradox, well, I'm a Christian, I obey God, so I don't need to apply for a job, it'll just come to me. You know, I, don't need to, I don't need to write a resume, it'll just happen. You know, I don't need to work hard, it's just gonna fall in my lap. You know, I, I don't need to pursue that girl, she's just gonna magically get a ring on her finger. Like there, there's these weird paradigms people get. No, obedience doesn't mean you don't need to use effort. It just means that your efforts are going in the right place and the right direction. I, I love that Peter still had to make sure those nets were ready for the catch. I love that he still had to use his own muscles to pull that net out of the water. The fish didn't levitate out of the water and float over to breakfast and cook themselves. No, he had to use his effort to take hold of the provision God had for him. So it doesn't mean that we don't need to work hard. It doesn't mean we don't need to study. It doesn't mean we don't apply for jobs. It doesn't mean we're not the best at what we do to make sure that we're being a good witness everywhere we go. Of course it does. It doesn't mean that we don't use our efforts. It just means our efforts are going in the direction of that which God has called us to. God, I'm giving my effort to this job because you called me to it. I'm giving my effort to these kids because you called me to raise them. I'm giving my efforts in the house of God because you've called me to this house. And provision will follow. When your efforts go to the right place, it, it releases provision. I'm going to finish in just a minute, so team, you can join me. That would be great. I told our church's story a few weeks ago. I've been waiting to share it here uh, because I think it's, it's, it's a great one to know. But we uh, recently made a decision about next year. We're traveling and all about those things. And there's a, there a full God story behind it, but we were away at this conference in Singapore and, uh, and Pastor Leah, uh, it was a Heart of God church. So uh, Garrett, who's speaking in January, he's uh, one of the executive pastors of that church. It'll be great for you guys to get to meet him. And uh, amazing, amazing church. They've been in revival for about 20 years, uh, just year on year, really amazing. Um, but we were at this conference, and, and I shared about the conference with you guys the last time I spoke and how impacting it was for us. But on the first, the first night of the conference, Pastor Leah uh, was preaching this message on faith. And, and you know, sometimes faith messages can, can edit out the, the hard stuff. And, and sometimes we can, we can build this hyper-faith kind of mentality where if you've got faith, nothing's going to be difficult. And 
everything's going to work, and it's always going to be easy, and there's not going to be battles. But this is one of the best faith messages I've heard because it, was, it gave me so much faith while having a very realistic picture of the fact that there's always battles to fight. And she's, she's preaching this message about the journey of their church and how God had taken these, these literally 12 little teenagers uh, in the upper room of this little place and, and had grown this thing into thousands of people who found Jesus. And most of them are first-generation Christians, which is even more amazing. Um, and she's telling this story, and she gets to the end, and she goes, she goes um, you know, there, there's pastors in this room, and, and you've got to, get, you've got to get a faith goal in your mind of, of what you're believing God for for the next few years. You know, how many people you're believing to be saved? She goes, it's not about the number. It's about the fact that that number represents a life and that life is a soul and it's a family and it's generations that are gonna be impacted after it. She says, it's not about the number, but get one in your mind to attach your faith to. And so, so she was talking about what they were believing for and then, and then uh, she goes, I want you to believe now. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm kind of praying and I'm going full on in the Holy Spirit, just praying in praying in tongues and Hannah's next to me and this electric atmosphere of faith and I get this sense in my heart of what God's called me to believe for and I tell Hannah and I come home it turns out she was believing for double so she's got more faith than me apparently <laughs> and I'm praying and uh, I feel the Holy Spirit say oh, we're going to see that happen I'm going to trust that to you if you'll care for the people if you'll love the people, if you'll raise sons and daughters in the faith, I'll trust it to you so clearly. And then he said to me, I'll trust it to you if you trust me with this. Lay down your speaking ministry for a whole year. Don't travel anywhere. Cancel every invitation. Cancel every trip that you've been asked to speak at and give this to me. Stay home and raise your sons and daughters in the faith. And you gotta understand, that was exciting and scary because when we started our church, I don't know if you know this or not, like starting a church with uni students is, is great, but practically, in terms of income, that's funny, it was a joke. Uh, the, church, the church was not thriving. And so, so we didn't have enough finance to feed our kids. That's, that's just the truth of it. And so, I traveled a lot in that first year. I did uh, three months. I spoke three, uh, 30 times in three states so that we could start the church. Sorry, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> and uh, we gave all of that to the church and we, we really, it, it cost us everything. It's been our way of providing for our family those last, these last few years. So I knew it was, God, I don't, I don't care about speaking in impressive places. No, that's not the hard part. It was, I'm trusting you with our finances. And I knew what that would mean. And so I said, yeah, God, if I said to Hannah, we went back to the hotel room, I said, if this is what you're calling us to do, then we'll do it. So we prayed about it and we said, God, this is a pretty big decision. So we're going to ask you for a second confirmation. So we prayed the next morning before the session. And we went into the conference uh, the next day and we hadn't told anyone what we were planning on doing or what we were feeling in our heart. And uh, Pastor Howe, the uh, Pastor Leah's husband, gets up and he shares this message. And about halfway through, he says, you know, there's these pastors, you're here. Your church is at about 300 people and you're traveling everywhere at the moment. 
And God says, it's time for you to stay home. Stay home. And I said, me and Hannah just looked at each other and just, <laughs> okay. Okay. And so we thought that's it. So, so we made the decision and we sent emails out uh, to everyone that we were booked in to be at. Said, hey, we're so sorry we can't make it. God's spoken to us. We're staying home. So the only, the only ones who's hearing us speak next year is this church right here and the one in the city, which is cool. But I was still scared. And we, we um, the conference finished and a team was starting to fly out and everything. And we get this text from Pastor Howe and Leah's assistant. and said, hey, Pastor Howe and Leah, I want to see you. Uh, and I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on out. And so they asked us back, we're down for the conference, we're rolling to the church, we're in their office and we're talking and they're like, how was the conference? And we said it was great, and amazing. And didn't tell them, you know, the ins and outs of what had happened. And then they said, um, we, we called you here today because we wanted to do something for you. I said, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, um, the first day of the conference, God spoke to us about giving this to you. And they handed us an envelope with enough finance in there to pay for all of our kids' school fees for the entire year. And I was just a mess. I mean, I was like weeping. There's just, it's, there's tears everywhere. It's a puddle. We could have gone fishing in there, 153 fish. Because I didn't know that was going to happen. I said to Pastor Howe, I said, you're meant to go to conferences and they take your money. Not the other way round. I said, I know we do things differently here. We want to bless you. We believe in you. We believe in what you're doing. And we told them the story of it and they're crying. And, you know. but, but obedience will release provision. You won't know how and you won't know where and you won't see it coming. But let me tell you, when you live your life, come on, with this conviction, that for us, it's obedience or bust. It's God, what are you calling us to? We say yes. God, where are you sending us? We say yes. God, whether it makes sense to put it here or put it there, we say yes. Why? Because God, we just want to live our lives, come on, in obedience to you. So come on, church, may our heart, come on, may our attitude, may our posture at the end of this year be to lay our lives down at the altar again and say, God, what are you calling me to do? How are you calling me to serve? Where are you calling me to give? What are you calling me to do in my life? I'll say yes, because I know that I want to have a paradigm of obedience. i got a history with you. You did it before, you'll do it again. God, I trust that you're going to position me in the right place at the right time. And God, I believe that as I do, you're going to provide for me. You're going to provide for my family. You're going to provide my every need. So today I wonder what it is that God's calling you be obedient in. I wonder what it is that He's saying, trust me with this. Say yes to this. Can I 
I tell you something? Don't go too long between doing things for God that scare you. Don't go too long between saying yes to Him. Don't let your heart get dull to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him again at the end of this year, Lord, what is it? I'll do it. I'll do it. Find me faithful. Find me faithful. You're not going to get to the end. He's going to say, well done. Well done. Good and big pension servant. He's not going to say, well done. Good and talented servant. He's not going to say, well done. Good. Come on. He's just going to say, well done. Good and faithful. Well done. Good and well-educated servant. Well done, good. And really nice outfit, servant. He's just gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. Did you do what I asked you to do? When I asked you to do it. And if you did, here it comes. Here it comes. So come on, all across this place. Come on, can we just stand to our feet today? We're gonna take a moment. And we're just gonna ask the Lord to speak to us. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit on this Sunday, the 18th of December, our last Sunday morning service, we're going to ask Him, God, speak to me about next year. Speak to me about Your will. Speak to me, God. I don't want to just walk into this year with half-hearted, I'll see what happens kind of attitude. God, I want clarity for my family. I want clarity for my job. I want clarity for my degree. I want clarity for my ministry. God, show me. Speak to me and find a yes in your servant today. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, if if you feel comfortable today and you say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to get something from you that I might be obedient to you. Come on, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? Come on, why don't you just do what I did at that conference there and just say, God, here it is. God, would you speak to me? God, would you show me? God, I open my heart up to you again. I want you to speak to me. I want you to speak to my heart. Show me the way. Show me what you're asking me to do. God, if it's been a while since I said yes, forgive me and let me say yes again. God, if it's been a while since I've I've stepped out in faith and taken a risk for you, then God, find that risk in me again. Come on today, right now. I want us to just begin to pray. Come on, all across this place, just begin to call upon the name of the Lord right now. And let's just begin to wait on Him in Jesus' name. Just take, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, how we want you. Lord, how we need you to move in We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Move again. that what we're carrying in this is going to jump on you. I believe in impartation. 
And so if you're after that today and you're saying, I want that on my life, why don't you, as, as Jesse starts singing again, why don't you just come, just come as close to the front of the stage as possible. And I'm just going to lay hands on people. I'm going to believe today that you're going to hear from the Lord in Jesus' name. You come now. That's it. Let's go. That's it. Oh, how we want you, Lord, how we 